Our main focus this morning will be on verses 21 through 23, uh, but we're going to begin reading in verse 15 for the context. So Colossians chapter 1, we'll be reading verses 15 through 23, and the sermon will be on verses 21 through 23. Colossians 1, verse 15. He, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. In him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Since the reading of the Lord's Word this morning. Let's pray. Mighty God, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for its beauty, its poetry, and how you uh, beautifully speak of, of the grace that you have shown us. As we learn today, Lord, about uh, what you've done for us, may you grow us in faith to believe that you will finish what you've started and give us the grace, Lord, to respond with faith, to hold fast uh, to the gospel. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There's a, uh, a common question that believers ask, and I know because I'm a believer and I've asked it, and it usually has to do with, what is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? Right? It's a fair question. What, what job should I take? What house should I buy? Where should we live? What should I have for dinner tonight? Right? Who should I marry? These are important questions, uh, but we ask them over and over and over again, and we keep looking for answers. We want to know, what is God's will? What does He want from me? Who am I supposed to marry? What am I supposed to do with my life? And the problem is, right, there's no neon sign pointing, here's, here's your spouse, right? Here's your job, here's your house, here's where you should live. And so we worry, right? We stress, we, we're anxious because there's not always a clear direction. Sometimes we want something and we don't get it. And so we think, well, did God lead me in the wrong direction? Sometimes we get the things we don't want. But all these questions, I think, come from a fear. And I think that fear is that we are deathly afraid of being disconnected from God. We're afraid of being out of step with God's will. And rightly so, we want to walk in God's will. We want to to know what He wants for us so that we can do it. And we're afraid because 
we feel like if we make a mistake or a wrong step or make the wrong decision, suddenly we will be disconnected from God, out of step with His will. And I think as well-intentioned and as well-meaning as, as these questions and this fear is, I think they miss the point. Because the, if God wanted to, He could give us a manual. He could give us, you know, here's your 10-year plan. Follow these steps and everything will be good. But He didn't. He didn't give us a manual. He didn't show us, you know, tell us exactly what we should do. He instead gave us a Bible that tells us who He is. He shows us what He's done. And then He says, here's what you should do. And it's usually not, go work at the steel mill, or go move into the four-bedroom house instead of the five-bedroom house. It's not things like that. Instead, what He says is, remain in the faith. And I think what the Lord is trying to do, especially in this passage, is, is He's trying to pull us back. Right? We get so stuck in these little details that God is drawing us back and saying, before you worry about the little things, I want you to see the big picture. I want you to step back and see the cosmic plan that I have already accomplished and what I am continuing to do. And here's how I want you to respond. And I think that's what our passage is telling us this morning. I think we see in this passage God's cosmic plan for your life. That though you were once an alien, disconnected from God, Jesus has reconciled you to God through his death in order to present you blameless, provided you continue in the faith. I think that's, that's the summary of this passage. Is though you were once an alien... Jesus has reconciled you to God in order to present you blameless, provided you continue in the faith. So let's look at, let's look at the passage and, and start to unpack this. The first thing that Paul says is, you. Maybe you think I'm making too fine a point of it, but Paul is not talking about people in general. He's talking to you. And that you means the Colossian church. That you means everyone who reads it. You, who were once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. The first thing Paul wants us to understand in this big picture scope of God's plan is, who are you in this plan? And the answer is, you are alienated. And that doesn't mean you're from Mars. Right? What this means is that In so many ways, when the fall happened, we were cut off from God. We were disconnected from the Lord. Adam and Eve, as they were cast out of the garden, they were also cast out of God's presence, and they were cast out of fellowship with God. No longer did they get to live in the garden, fellowshipping with the Lord, walking with Him, talking with Him. Now they're distant from Him. Because now there's a barrier. Now there's a gap. For everything to work, right, as it should be, that gap has to be removed. Because the curse of the fall is, because there's now a gap between you and God, everything else will be broken. Right? In the fall, what happened? Curse is the ground. Work will be hard and unfruitful. Childbearing will be hard. 
and painful. Our relationships will be broken. Our jobs will be broken. Our lives will be broken. That's what it means to be disconnected from God. Because that's not what we were created for. And what this results in, right, is, is not only are we now disconnected from God, but now we are hostile in mind, Paul says. That not only are we cut off from God, but now we are actually against God. Not only are we disconnected from God, but now we don't want anything to do with God. That's where the Colossian church used to be. That's where people are, aside from the Lord, aside from the gospel, is hostile. And that hostility towards the Lord leads people to do evil things. Wicked things. And it doesn't, you don't have to look very far in the Bible or in history to see the extent of it. Because what happens to Adam's family? Cain and Abel, two brothers, two men who are supposed to love each other and have each other's backs. While Abel's back is turned, Cain kills him. Because he was hostile in mind towards God and towards his brother. That is what life is like. That's our default. That's our default. We don't naturally love each other. We don't naturally love our siblings or even our spouses. But so often we find ourselves thinking thoughts that we're not supposed to think, feeling emotions we're not supposed to feel, even doing things we're not supposed to do. And that leads us to these these evil deeds. We are disconnected from God, alienated from Him, and left to our own devices. This is the fruit. But Paul's point is not just to whack the Colossian church over the head with all their sin. His point is that's where you were at. Where you were at. Right? Past tense. Because Paul is talking about something bigger. He actually has a purpose for these aliens. There's a plan in place. And so verse 22, he says, He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. His physical body, and this means Jesus' physical body was killed. In order that these aliens might be reconciled. And what does that mean? It means that once we were disconnected from God, but through the cross, we are reconnected. The cross brings aliens and broken sinners, people who are hostile towards God, brings them back to be connected to God. And the only way that can happen right, is if those evil deeds are done away with. If that hostility is erased... If that alienation is turned into unification, 
That's the only way. And so that means that when Christ dies, he pays the price for our sins. He pays the price for our hostility. And to put it differently, Christ was cut off. Christ was disconnected from God so that you can be reconnected. A great example of this that Jesus did over the course of his life was as he went and ministered to people, he, he healed them. He would go and he would heal the sick and the broken and the lame and those who society had disregarded, people who were alienated not just from God but from even their fellow humans. And what Jesus did was he healed them. And the purpose was to show that his ministry is about this ministry of healing and, and reconnecting. That these healings were like little little samples. You know, you go to Costco, you get a you know, little sample of something, it's really good, and you want to buy the, like the, the 64 count of whatever it is. Right? It makes, just makes you want more. And the good news is, there is more. That everything that Christ did was to point to what he was going to do on the cross. That the cross was this healing. This reconciliation between God and sinners. So we don't need to look any further than the cross. Because Paul doesn't say, right, he has now started reconciling. He says he has now reconciled. It's done. It's finished. Paul wants us to step back and see the big picture. That we get, we get stuck in on the little details of life. We get anxious about these things, but Paul says, you are already reconciled. You are no longer an alien, no longer hostile. Your evil deeds are paid for. And Paul wants us to remember this because it's so easy to be anxious. It's so easy to be afraid that we're going to fall back into that disconnection. That by our own works, we're somehow going to alienate ourselves from God again. We're afraid of that happening again. And so we ask questions like, well, I need to make sure I do God's will. I need to make sure that I'm perfect or God's going to cast me out again. But Paul says, you are already reconciled by Jesus' death. And it is finished because... Jesus died, the rest of verse 22, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. In other words, if God was willing to do that, he's willing to do this. We can have confidence that we are holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Because Christ has already finished the work. We know that we have been reconciled. We know that we've been forgiven because the cost has been paid. And that means, right, that we will be presented before him. What does that mean? That means we will be in God's presence. We're so afraid of being disconnected from God. But God says, I'm already with you. 
even to the very end of the age. We're not seeking to live our lives afraid that we're going to lose our status. We are already there. We have every guarantee. We have thousands of years of history to look back on and to see that God is faithful, that he doesn't change his mind, that he doesn't go back on his promises, and he doesn't withdraw his salvation once it's given. Not only are we reconciled, but we will always be reconciled because of Jesus. And I think this shows us where our focus needs to be. Not on the everyday worries of life about what will happen and will I have enough. God says, look at the big picture. I am faithful. I have saved you. Everything else, he will take care of. What we are called to focus on is verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. In other words, how do we, how do we live in the here and now in light of this big picture, this, this cosmic plan of God? Continue in the faith. And at first, that sounds too, too simple. Right? All I have to do is keep believing it? No, 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 no. No, God, you don't understand. That's too easy. Give me a hard thing to do. And God says, this is hard. And you know why? Because you're going to be tempted to walk away from it. You're going to be tempted to look for, for something else. You're going to be tempted to put your hope in something less than the gospel. Paul is not, he's not trying to make the Colossian church, nor is he trying to make you doubt your salvation. He's simply saying that continuing in the faith is going to be hard. Because there's going to be times in our lives where it doesn't look like everything is going our way. There's going to be times in our lives where we will not have everything. Shocker. But there will be times where we suffer. There will be times when we will be in want. May the Lord never let it happen, but there may be times where we are persecuted, even in America, for our faith. Will we continue in the faith? That's what the Lord is calling us to do. So not shift our hope. Because we always, it's like we have a weight tied to our head. We want to shift our gaze from here down to here. We want to look at the small things and focus on those. Will I have enough? Is my job security good enough? Do I make enough money? What if we don't have enough tomorrow? What if we lose our house? Or our car? Or we get sick? Or God forbid, what if we die? But God says, if your only hope and your best hope is in your work or your family or your house or, or your security, you've set your sights too low. Don't shift from the hope you have in the gospel. Keep your eyes on the big picture. 
on who God is, on what he's done for you, because if the cost of reconciliation has been paid, why are we afraid? God knows us well. He knows that we will be. And so he says, I've paid for even that. The cross is sufficient. And then he also says, you know what? I'm going to go even further. I'm going to give you a weekly reminder. A reminder of what he's done for us. A reminder that the cost has already been paid. That we are already reconciled to God. That we're already together with him and we will be forever. And that reminder is the supper. Because it's in the supper that we see that the price has been paid. That Jesus Christ doesn't need to keep dying. It's finished. So when we take the supper, it's just, it's drawing us into that reality, showing us so that we can taste and see that we're not alienated. We're together with him. And he is together with us. I'd like to invite the elders up so that we can partake and we can give thanks to God for what he's done. Let's pray. Lord Almighty, we thank you again. We are in your hands, Lord. We belong to you. And so to you we pray that you would teach us how to walk, how to continue in the faith. Forgive us, Lord, for the ways that we turn aside from the hope of the gospel and set our sights on things lower. And we ask that you would always draw our, our vision up to you, where Christ is seated, that we would remember all that you've done for us, that we would remember your faithfulness, and that we would trust in it every single day. We thank you again, and we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.